what it's all about at the end of the day is when you can help people really connect and see and really understand like what is unique about them and 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 part of that uniqueness is the is the professional side of them some of that uniqueness is more personal non-work stuff but when you can find that sweet balance between the two where it's like man this is what kind of I've been designed to do and and this is why I want to go out and speak or advocate to serve as many people. And oh, by the way, that helps me. This isn't always the case, but it's usually the case. It helps me drive growth of my business or be a better leader or a whatever. It's so funny. This guy at Insperity, like he was like, I'm not posting on social. I'm not getting out and wanting to speak at you know conferences and events because like I'm not inspired to do it. Like, why am I doing it? What would I say? And like when you when you really create the space to dig deep into like kind of like you know almost like your why or your uniqueness and, and this opportunity, it, it it inspires action and then you can you can push forward with confidence because you actually have some meaning behind it versus, geez, I got to go speak at this event or I got to somebody's making me post on social like I hate this right? It's like no, I. I want to be out there in front of as many people as possible because that's 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 why I'm here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flow Over Fear podcast, where it is our mission to help you to rise above fear and realize your ultimate potential in leadership and life. I'm your host, Adam Hill, and it is my goal to share with you the human side of high performance. My guests share their experience with fear, anxiety, struggle, challenge, and most importantly, despite all of it, how they rose above it to achieve incredible results. So if you're ready to rise up, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Flow Over Fear. Thank you for being here today. I'm so grateful that you joined us because I have a great guest. Uh, My guest today is Jeremy Weber. He is a senior strategist and founding member at Brand Builders Group. Over his 17-plus year career, he has founded, sold, and helped to grow multiple companies. His work as a personal brand strategist has supported New York Times bestselling authors, TED speakers, celebrity influencers, a Shark Tank investor, and uh, seven-figure entrepreneurs across many, many industries. And as a founding member uh, and senior leader within Brand Builders Group, of which yours truly is a member, he has supported the launch and growth of one of the fastest growing personal brand strategy firms in the world. I'm telling you guys, it's a great, great company. And his work has spanned a team of 25 plus strategists overseeing the platform, supporting 700 plus personal brands uh, and managing the company's global partner network. As a thought leader in in the technology industry, Jeremy has spoken to audiences of over 15,000 people, and I've got to witness him speak, and 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 it's amazing. And he sat on the advisory board of a global software company with annual revenues over a billion dollars. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate yeah, Adam, it. thanks. Thanks for the intro. I always feel a little bit weird, like hearing hearing people say that. You know, they always say like the bios are the hardest thing, right? Even as we work with clients, it's like you, most people at least feel awkward talking about themselves and hyping themselves up. So, um, but you you got to do it, and and obviously it's best when somebody else delivers it. But man, it's great to be with you. Um, you know, just excited to get this time with you. Thanks, man. I'm, and I'm excited to learn more about you. Uh, I've looked up to you in Brand Builder for quite a while now. I've been a member for about a year now, and it is, I mean, it's changed my life. I can't deny that. And I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke for the purposes of Brand Builders, but it's been, it's been amazing. It, it, and I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to part, partly self-discovery. I mean, I've learned so much about myself in that process. And, and, you started off by saying something interesting. I kind of wanted to dive in because I hear this a lot from people when I when I when I read the bios and I go over that is you know people tend to get like wow that's that's so cool to hear that but you know there's also this sense of like almost embarrassment. So where does that come from? Why do we start to feel that way about some of our some of our great accomplishments? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think probably the true answer to that lies above my pay grade. <laughs> you know, like, uh, but you know, I mean, my take on it would be that um, I think how most of us are naturally wired is to be humble, to 
to want to love and serve others and, and to not hype ourselves up and talk all high about ourselves. Now, we, we all know those people that they they really love themselves, right? And they, yeah. they like to talk about it. But I think for most, you know, most people are like, they, you know, they, they don't want to talk about themselves. They don't want to brag about all the accomplishments. And um, that's good, right? I mean, it's good to be wired that way and be humble, but it can be counterproductive from a, from a sales and marketing perspective if people don't really, if they're not aware of all the great work you've done. Um, so there's a balance, right? You put together an expert bio and you deploy it in all these strategic places to help people just understand, you know, the, the amazing work you've done, the lives you've impacted, um, you know, but but again, the, the goal is that you don't have to read your own expert bio. That, <laughs> right. That's when it's like, yeah, this, this feels a little weird. Um, but yeah, don't make the mistake of, of loving yourself and talking about yourself all the time, but also don't make the mistake of being too humble and never putting your best foot forward because at the end of the day, there's so many people out there, whether you like it or not, they, they do kind of judge a book by its cover. And if, if they don't read something pretty quick, that's like, man, this person's legit and good. They may not give you that opportunity to, you know, to have a conversation or, or, or whatever it may be. So there's, at the end of the day, the magic lives in the middle a little bit, right? Which right. is the case with most things. Yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I can get that. It's it's always a delicate balance because I, I feel the same way when I hear my bio and 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 I always think to myself, well, that's not that you know that's not that great. But then I'll hear from other people. It's like we try to we often try times default. Maybe that humility or that humbleness or whatever tries to you know, cause us to like deprecate ourselves or be self-deprecative a little bit uh, more than we should a lot of times. But, uh, but man, you've achieved a lot of incredible things. I mean, just your bio, I mean, just starting out with this company, Brand Builders, as one of the founding founding members, um, of which it's grown dramatically even in the last year. And yeah. before that, founding, starting businesses, uh, you know, that have grown to seven figures doing you know, doing a lot of, how did you get your start? So where, where, uh, can you tell us a little bit about where, uh, Jeremy Weber came from? Yeah, man. I, I don't know how far back you want to throw it, but, um, yeah, Western Kentucky. So, um, I, hopefully I, I try to intentionally suppress my Southern accent. Um, so if, if you, if a, if a y'all slips in or something, yeah, I apologize. In advance, but, <laughs> You know, so Western Kentucky is where I grew up. Um, just amazing family. Have two older, older brother, older sister, amazing parents. So just super blessed to grow up in an environment that had so much love, so much support. Um, you know, so so that was key. Um, soccer was, you know, I was a pretty athletic kid, but um, soccer was kind of my thing. And so Growing up, I, that you know, I dabbled in a lot of sports, baseball, basketball, soccer, like through elementary school. But pretty quickly, once I got into middle school, I like had a deep passion for soccer and I just loved it. And I was like hyper focused. So it wasn't work, man. I mean, I, I played every chance I got to play. And and that um, that resulted in me excelling and, and being a pretty good player and, um, you know, played on a competitive club team that traveled all over the country and then got a scholarship to play in college, like a D1 scholarship. And so um, I, I went to Western Kentucky University. So go Hilltoppers if anybody, anybody knows where that is. Um, but yeah, so I played four years there. But, you know, I, I, I pretty much knew in college that yeah, I was good at soccer. I, you know, got my school paid for and all that stuff. Like that was that was amazing and a blessing. But I knew I wasn't good enough to, you know, to like make a make a career out of it post college. Mm -hmm. I had to figure out what I was going to do, like for real, for real. Yeah. Um, and and what was interesting is both my dad and my older brother were um, in this industry uh, that blended kind of um, science uh, and technology, right? It was kind of like the intersection of these two worlds and more specifically like location-based technology or mapping technology. So we all know like the, 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 the technical like nerdy term, if you want, if you want me to just, is geographic information system. So like <laughs> GIS, but the, but the basic concept is there is information that is, you know, like, uh, you know, like things are places, right? You have roads, you have utilities, you have hydrants, you have, you know, like 
the enemy, right? It's used in the military, all this stuff, right? right? There's, there's information that's better visualized on a map, you know, it, you know, in an interactive format, whether it's just you navigating in your car to get somewhere or, or something else. And so that technology is what, um, you know, my older brother was kind of like heading down that career path. My dad, who was a professor at, at the university level, he taught kind of that type of stuff. So at a young age, I was kind of exposed to it. And I was like, that's kind of cool. Um, and so I kind of headed down that that path with my studies in college. So that was kind of interesting. You know, we think most kids in college are like, I don't have a clue what I want to be. And right. they, you know, <laughs> major in general studies or something like, you know, they're, they, uh, but, you know, probably my freshman or sophomore year, I was like, that's the track I want to be on. And it, and it was mm-hmm. a little bit of that kind of location tech, but then like computer science and really like programming and really nerdy stuff that, you know, most people, uh, you know, uh, check out on when you talk about it. So, um, so I won't hey, talk man, about I, it. I, no, I play D&D every week, so I'm all okay. into that nerdy stuff. Okay, so. cool. All right, awesome. <laughs> we'll nerd out. Um, so, so basically pretty early on in college, you know, I was still playing soccer, but I, I knew I wanted to kind of head down this career path that was kind of computer science and technology, but really applied to this location-based technology, um, you know, industry and use case. So, you know, I graduated and my first job out of school was in the public sector. So I actually went straight into state government and it was cool. Like, to be honest with you, I wouldn't change a thing for a couple of reasons. You know, I'm obviously in the private sector, a big kind of entrepreneur, you know, is, is a is a big part of my DNA now. But that's that wasn't my beginning. And <laughs> but what was what was cool is that, yeah, if I if I could pick up on kind of like a couple things that were the big takeaways from that, my start, you know, in the public sector was that I got exposed. I mean, if you think about it. Like government is a giant business. Now, it doesn't have to be as tight about balancing budgets, right? I mean, there's certain things where it's not a direct correlation for sure. Mm-hmm. But you're talking tons of people, big budgets, giant projects, right? It's it's in certain cases like a big business. Right. And so, um, so right out of school, I got injected into like a, a massive environment with huge projects, huge kind of enterprise systems, hundreds, thousands of users, right? Like, so it was interesting to come in and try to have to figure out how to lead big teams and how to, you know, kind of manage and architect giant projects, right? With hundreds, thousands of users and things like that. So like, it it was, I kind of cut my teeth on, on big problems, right? So like, that was cool. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that was, that was kind of neat is, as I um, transitioned out of just doing like hardcore technology into more, you know, um, leading people and advocating for the technology and and kind of that type of stuff, I ended up kind of leading a team of, I think it was like 30 to 40 people. Um, and, you know, I was still in my 20s at this point. And, um, and so, so I, at that point, you, you realize pretty quickly that especially in a government setting, like you can't motivate people with money, right? Like, you know, right. most people, it's like create those financial incentives, get people to work hard, they want to make more money, get those bonuses, like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> like, you're, you're lucky to get the annual cost of living increase, right? Like, you right. Know, let alone some nice quarterly bonus or something, you know? So it's like, you got to figure out how to inspire people to work hard and take action without money really being that big of a factor, you know? And so to me, that that helped me understand how to really try to create a narrative around the work we were doing that that inspired people to want to do it. Like like Mm -hmm. we, we were you can look at it as pushing buttons or doing whatever, but it's like each of us played a critical role to to deliver this this big service that has a big impact on the people we were focused on serving. And so. To me, that was cool. That forced me as a leader at a young age to figure out how to be more tactical about how you how you get people to take action and want to come to work and work hard. Because we all know that it's easy. It's easy in a lot of settings, but definitely in a government setting for people to go through the motions. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was cool. You know, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. So I think those leadership skills have really helped me. Um, you know, all all my career. 
Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of where I was at there. Um, and interrupt me at any point if you want to dive deeper into any of this stuff. Yeah, I, I, and thank you for that because I I, um, I love that the some of the ideas you put down there, and I wrote some notes on on you know your early leadership and taking leadership at a young age and things like that. And you mentioned you learned pretty quickly that people aren't really motivated by money, especially in that government setting. What what else did I mean with running thirty to forty people? What else did you learn about leadership at that point that that helped you to become better later? Man, you got you got to be a really good listener. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I um, and and I still kind of revert back to some of these not so great tendencies, you know, along the way. Like we're not perfect; we learn, we get better, then we slip a little bit. Yeah. But I think what I found whenever I was driving to, when you're driving to try to like get up the ladder, or be more successful, right? I I always default to. Um, really wanting the right people to know my ideas and, and sh- sh- oversharing, or let's say sharing a lot and oftentimes oversharing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you just, all, you're always out there, you're trying to inject yourself in the middle of things and really like kind of prove your worth, right? right. Um, and, and right or wrong, I mean, like some of those tendencies did help me get seen for being good and having good ideas and elevate me up. But what I realized pretty quickly that once you kind of get in a place where you're leading people, it, it flips. Like it's more of like, you got to be a great listener. You got to be, you got to make sure people feel comfortable to come share. Right. And it's, it's more so like, how are you now pulling greatness out of other people instead of like trying to project greatness over people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, And so, so I had to work on that in the beginning, like, and I remember some of the early leadership training I got still in, in the, in the government setting, right. Um, Really helped me understand how to ask the right questions to create space and try to like, you know, let people come up with ideas on their own and coach them, you know? So like, that was probably like another, another big thing for me um, that was, that, that that's that's been impactful even today yeah that's incredible i, I uh and yeah pulling greatness out of others instead of trying to push your greatness on on them that's 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 mm-hmm. powerful a lot of leadership is is like that hey everyone i interrupt this program to introduce you to an amazing adventure do you want to embrace fear and get clarity and conviction on your goals how would you like to join me in an epic colorado adventure where we will hike a famed 14,000-foot peak, camp under the stars, mastermind around the campfire, and build lifelong friendships? I'm partnering with Belay Expeditions to create a retreat that will not only rejuvenate your soul, but level up your life. We will get clarity on your three C's dream, create a roadmap to your dreams, and build the conviction that you need to pursue them with confidence. Join me at the top of the world, September 14th through the 17th. Visit belayexpeditions.com slash retreats and click on my pretty face to sign up. Space is limited, so sign up now. So did you want to climb, was it your goal to kind of climb that ladder within the government space or did you know that you wanted to make the transition into something that you wanted to build? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. So I I was very hungry, like Mm -hmm. I was driven. Um, You know, what was interesting at this time, I had... um, you know, like I told you, I came up through this technical path. So I like new programming and all like all this stuff, technical stuff. But I wasn't the best program. I wasn't the, the nerdiest of nerds, right? There were better pro, but I had this ability to communicate, like understand very complex technical things, but communicate them in a, in a way where non-technical people could wrap their head around them and understand sure. them, right? And that, yeah. that kind of, that shift where I wasn't like, programming and building things, but I was advocating for the technology kind of set me on this path where, where I was out speaking at a lot of conferences, like becoming a pretty well-known uh, subject matter expert in, in this space, in this industry. And so I was hungry, like, and, and that, and what, I, if I had to boil it down to two things, what like was fueling the fire, um, 
I wouldn't, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say money was part of it. I was young and sure. I was, I was, I was wanting to make more money. Right. And it's hard to make more money in, in a government setting. But I think more so than the money, I believed in this technology, right? Like I saw the impact it had on the different public and private sector companies that used it. And I just believed in it. And so I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to go out and tell as many people as wanted to listen about it. So, so there was those two things that really were driving my work. And, and I, and I, I saw an opportunity in the market to where, you know, cause I was hyper-focused, like, most people are like, well, technology is an industry, but this is like a sub-subset of the technology industry. So I was very laser focused on this tech. And because I was so focused, I was able to see some gaps in the market that m- most other people didn't. Mm-hmm. And so I think at that point, that entrepreneurial bug in me was kind of like, I, you know, like I've got an opportunity to do something here, like to build a software product that will plug this gap in the market. And, and I think I have the ability, the technical ability to do it. Um, and, and I can even remember in, in my home office at the time, you know, sitting there like, what am I going to do? And I was like, you know, what convinced me was like, I don't want to be sitting here five years from now and be like, what if, you know, what, what, what if I had done that? And so I, I went all in, you know, like I, I was like, I still had my job at the government, but like I would come home at night and I was coding and building this product and um, ultimately brought that product to market and licensed it. And then when was licensing it to a couple organizations and then one of those one of those companies wanted to buy it. And, you know, that's where I was in this position of all right, I, I got to make a big pivot. Um, and I was ready. Like, I, I think my boss there tried to do some things. And, and actually, it was pretty cool. My, my boss at the time in state government, he wanted to keep me. He was a huge mentor for me. Tom Fleming is his name. I'll give Tom some some props here. But like, I Go learned Tom. so much. Yeah, <laughs> I learned so much from him. Man. And he was a lot older than me, but just mm-hmm. so wise. Um but I remember when I told him, I was like, man, I think I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to jump. And he was like, let me go try to get, let me go elevate this up to the boss boss and see if we can't do something to keep you. And, and what's interesting is the, the head, like the comptroller of the treasury, like the controller, that's like, you know, an appointed official by the state legislature, et cetera. Yeah. Um, he was a guy who had tons of success in the private sector. And, you know, most of these high level government officials, they like make all their money in the private. They come in and, you know, they're like trying to have bigger impact now on sure. the government side. <laughs> and so um, so he was like, I'll, I'll never forget this. He, he was like, good for him. Let yeah. him go. Let him go do his thing. Let him go make some money. Let him go do his thing. And he didn't even he didn't want to try to keep me. He was like. He knew, I think he knew what was on the other side and knew I was kind of wired to try to go after some of that. And so he he didn't even try, he was like, go. And so that's where at that point, my tech got purchased and I came on as a partner in this regional tech firm and really was doing similar work where, where I was out speaking on big stages, putting out kind of thought leadership content online, brokering partnerships and big deals, business development, just trying to drive growth of, yeah. of our tech company. Uh, but that was kind of the pivot from public sector to private sector uh, back yeah. in the day. And that was probably about seven years in to my, I did about, I guess about seven years in the public sector before I pivoted out. That's great. Yeah. And, and, and I want to really, really emphasize a point that you made there so that everybody could hear this, especially if you're a leader in this, in this, uh, in this audience is that, the, the great leaders, if you know, great leaders will take real, real good talent. And yes, of course, they're going to do everything to keep them. But ultimately, they're willing to let them go because, because that that's where our that's where growth in in the future comes from. You know, people like Jeremy, if he was still working in that in that private sector, might not be fulfilled in that way. So that yeah. leader saw something else in you. That uh, uh, that saw that could serve both you and the world as a whole. So that was a that was a great great move on on his part and your part. Yeah, but I, I, I don't. That. Yeah, I don't want to uh, minimize this the scariness though of of making that leap. Um, yeah. and you know you'd mentioned uh, kind of looking forward. 
uh, five years from now and saying you didn't want to say what if. Um, but uh, what was there? Was there anything else that like helped you to, in in addition to you know the support of your mentors and things like that, that helped you to make that leap and um, and and gave you the confidence to do it. Mm. Man, you 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 knew something was underneath there, right? Yeah, I'm glad you're you're probing a little bit. Yeah. Um, so one thing I didn't, and this is a, a pivotal, like a huge thing in my life that um, I failed to mention, and it, and it had a big impact on that decision. Um, while I was with in in the government job, uh, and this was probably uh, let's see. Uh, middle of my run, you know, so like in that government job, um, I, I got diagnosed with cancer and, um, and, and that, to be honest with you, that's probably the third reason I'm so blessed to have been in that government job at the time, because, you know, you, you get, put in an unfortunate situation like that in the private sector, it's like, well, you can't work for a while, man. Sorry about your luck. Peace out. Right. Yeah. You know, so like in a setting where there was understanding and like um, different benefits and things to let me focus on trying to survive, you know, like was a right. huge blessing. Um, and so, so again, like I got diagnosed with cancer, went through, um, chemo treatment, surgery, chemo treatment. Um, and so I think for me coming out the back end of that, like when you're, you, you think you got issues in life and, and then, and then you, when you're fighting for your life or, or have a loved one that's fighting for their life, you realize that those things aren't, aren't as big of a deal as you might've thought. And so I think for me, that was um, a wake up call. Uh, one, I, you know, you got to take care of yourself, but, but two, you know, life's not guaranteed. And um, we got, we got one kind of crack at this here on this earth, at least. And, um, and so, so it's like, you know, like, let's go, Let, let's, let's, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be like, what if, cause I may not get another chance. Right. So, right. So I think for me coming out the back end of that, that was a wake up call. And, and, um, once I got through it, like all the things I was focused on money, growth, like bigger impact, well, that went away. Like all my energy was on doing what the doctors were telling me to do and just trying sure. to survive. But, you know, once I came out the back end, it, it was kind of like a purifying experience almost. And, and I think, you know, again, that changes your, your, um, your thinking and, and the way you kind of like analyze opportunities uh, when when you're faced with something like that. So so I think that that was another big factor that just like okay I need to do this because I may not may not get another opportunity to do it. So let's let's get after it. Yeah, and that must have happened to you when you were very very young too. Because I mean you're not you're you're yeah, a young that guy was, now. That was um, so uh, so twenty four. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big, big life shifting, you know, perspective to, to have as a 24 year old, you're looking for, you know, you're, you're looking to, for different ways to grow in companies and things like that. And all of a sudden you're faced with your own mortality yeah. and that shifts your perspective. And you kind of touched on this there too, that, that you came out of it purified. Did, do you look at it now as kind of a blessing in disguise or, or do you look at it as, or how do you look at it now? Yeah, absolutely. A, a blessing in disguise. Like, I, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I wasn't um, I wasn't perfect coming out the back end. Like there, there are still things like, you know, I, I'm very flawed and was was driving too hard in a lot of the wrong areas, even as I continue to push forward. But yeah. I think for me, it, one, it brought my wife and I even closer together. Like she was my rock, you know, like going through that. Um, and again, it just makes you appreciate the small things, you know, like it's so easy right. to get tripped up with what society tells us is important and just overconsumption and all this stuff. And, and I think it just, you know, when you're fighting for your life, not much else really matters. And, and, mm -hmm. you know, you figure out who your real people are, 
um, and you 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 dig into those relationships to just grind and get to the other side. And so, so I think yeah, I think it was kind of a, a wake up call in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, definitely a blessing in disguise. Um, yeah. You know, so. Yeah, well, I hope, and I hope you don't mind if I if I dig in on this because yeah. I know a lot of people yeah. may who may be struggling with something like this, maybe experiencing dark times. You know, just feeling like really, really demoralized, really feeling like giving up, or 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 what have you. And I don't, and and you know, just kind of knowing that there is is miracle beyond that 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 challenge. What um, yeah? What kind of, you know? Did you face those dark times? How did you manage those kind of really those times where you were just feeling like overwhelmed with it? Yeah, I mean, I can, I can. I mean, if anybody's no, ever been through like chemotherapy, you mm-hmm. you can relate. Like it, it you lose your hair, you you lose your energy, you lose your immune system, you lose your you know all, all the things almost right, and so. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it it strips you down to where there's not much to be um, inspired by, uh, you know. Um, And so I think for me, um, you know, like the people around me, this is one thing I tried to hold strong to is that, you know, this this thing is going to eat me alive physically, but I'm not going to let it eat me alive mentally. Mm. Right, I'm. I'm going to try to stay in control of my mind and um, and really focus on what I can control. And what what I could control was, I trust that I've got a good team of professionals that know what in the world they're talking about, and um, and they're giving me a playbook. Mm-hmm. And this playbook is the playbook to stay alive. <laughs> and so I'm going to focus on all my energy on just doing what they're telling me to do. And I'm not going to think about what could happen or like how bad this is. I'm just going to be like, I am laser focused to get on the other side of this. Cause I'm not done yet. Right. Like, right. it's like, I'm, I'm not done. And so, so I think for me, that was a big part is just staying mentally strong and, and a, and a big part of, you know, being mentally strong is, you know, your faith, right? Spirit being spiritually strong. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, just my faith was a huge part of it. I'll, I'll never forget my, my mom's mom. So my grandma and that side of the family in the middle of all my treatments, she, she sent me a card, like she was older, but you know, so, and we didn't live close to another, but like she, you know, was trying to help any way she could. And she sent me this card. It's pretty like well known, but like it's it's this footprints in the sand like poem, and I think it's yeah. based off like the Book of Isaiah, some script, you know, in, in there. But you know that that's just even to this day like, and that's been something I share with other people when they're in the middle of a struggle. Is like, you know, in in the worst you know times of our life, you know, like that's when. He's there, you know, carrying us the most and and you don't have to do it alone, right? You're not doing it alone. And so like, man, that, that was, that was a game changer for me. Just that reminder and, and just, you know, again, you know, staying hopeful in the middle of uh, a dark, a dark place. So that's so powerful. I mean, especially that last part of faith, because the, you know, the idea that, that we're letting go of things that are outside of our control, you know, but, but giving those to a higher power, some kind, I mean, <clears throat> pardon me, that, that works so well within, you know, any type of struggle. I know it worked in my own addiction recovery, you know, just letting go of what I was outside of my control and then controlling the things you can. It's not always easy. It's, I mean, it's hard, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's worth it. And you seem to come out the other side stronger did um, um, how how long did that process take, and when when were you fully recovered, and and then what when did you get into the the new new uh, new venture? Yeah. So um, so again, this was all during kind of the government time. So you know, I had surgery. It was like literally about a year from surgery where they um, just like I was doing monthly checkups and monitoring cause you know, we thought we had caught it early enough where it hadn't spread and it, you know, would, would, would it get to avoid all the fun chemo stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, but literally like one year from the surgery, they, one of the CT scans showed that like, Hey, it, 
it might have spread. So like we we need to go ahead and just do run you through this chemo and it's got a high cure rate, et cetera. So, you know, so there was about a year of kind of dealing with it, but not too crazy. And then probably another six months of really dealing with it through the chemo and everything. So so about a year and a half, um, you know, in, in my mid-20s had had that uh, not, not so pleasant, but again, blessing in disguise kind of uh, experience. But then coming out the back end of it, you know, ultimately, you know, got back in the groove, you know, exited into the private sector. And, and I had about five or six years of um, helping to kind of grow that regional tech firm into a tech firm that had a global client base. And, Hmm. um, and that was, that was really cool. And, you know, what's interesting is um, even in that role, right. It was, it was similar where I was out advocating, I was out speaking, I was out kind of really trying to be an advocate for thought leadership, innovative use cases and approaches to using this technology. And that's what, again, helped to kind of elevate me as a thought leader in this industry. And, you had mentioned it in the bio, like, you know, on stage in front of 15,000 people. That was during that time of my career at, at the San Diego Convention Center, um, sitting on the advisory board for a multi-billion dollar global software company. That that was during this time. And it was all because, one, I was good. You know, I had good results. I, was, I, I knew what I was talking about, mm-hmm. uh, but also was wanting to reach more people. It's like results times reach equals your reputation, right? We, we talk about the reputation formula a lot. Right. Um, but it was like I, I had been disciplined and focused and to be really knowledgeable about something. But I felt like this calling or almost obligated to, to try to share that knowledge with as many people as possible and reach as many people as possible because I believed that this technology could solve real problems, could really help the people on the other end. So I just wanted to get out there. It could have been stuff on social, it could have been blogging, could have been on stages at conferences, could just be out networking with people. You know, I was just, I was passionate by it. But yeah, all that led to me, you know, being pretty well known in the industry and <laughs> those opportunities. And then as a result, a decent amount of traffic and growth to our back end business. Um, to help us grow. So that was cool. That was a cool run. Um, and then I had had another, um, you know, blindside moment, um, <laughs> you know, where uh, you want to get into this now? I don't know yeah. if you have any probing questions, uh, um, but no, you know, just keep rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Keep going. Yeah, okay. we, I get, yeah, I'm getting notes. I'll uh, I'll hit back on some of these things, but I'd okay, love to cool. keep you flowing. Yeah. So so this would be a time in my career where I was I was very passionate, like I said, but I was also very driven. Like I, mm-hmm. I was I was hungry for more. Um, success was always right around the corner. Fulfillment was always right around the corner, right? right? It's like, oh, when I get X, when I get X, and then you get yeah. there, and it's like, yeah, there's something more, right? It's yeah. it's never enough, and 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 so as as a result of that, I was working hard, doing a lot of great work, but I was also just I was pushing really hard, and and that that pushing for growth, pushing. I was kind of in the middle of trying to broker some acquisitions, right? A bigger company buying us out to help us. And that vision was just in conflict with the vision for some of the other partners of the company. And that created friction. And um, I came in to work one day pretty early like I would. And nobody was in the office. So I was like, nothing was kind of new. Um, But then all of a sudden, uh, my other two business partners walked in. And they were like, come to the conference room. And it was like, slid the papers across the table. Like, man, this isn't going to work out. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're out of here. So just like that, man, I, I something I had worked so hard to build so much equity and growth and just in a company. And it was like, it, like that, you're, wow. you're out, you know? And so wow. that was... That was another just like looking back a blessing in disguise. But I, you know, I, I, I deep down I needed like it wasn't going to work out. Um, and that was eating at me internally in a lot of different ways. And so what was really cool from that experience is 
one, it forced me to make a big change that I would have never made on my own, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I had always been so hyper-focused in that industry, and I I think I just, I needed, and I don't want to say this in in the wrong way, but like, I feel like if I had just stayed in that industry, I I wouldn't have been able to reach as many people as I, I feel like, you know, maybe God wants me to reach or, you know, like, whatever, but I just feel like I needed... I needed to pivot out. Like I, I, I had kind of been so focused for so long. It was just like, hey, I kind of feel like I've been there, done that. I need to do something else. But I probably would have never made that change on my own. Like I, I wasn't that daring to make that big of a pivot. Yeah. The other thing, which is probably more valuable, it's not probably, it is more valuable, is it immediately, I mean, when you go from having a good, good job, good stable income, all these things to no income and what the heck am I going to do next? It's another one of those like wake up call moments. And I think for me, um, what was so powerful about that is, you know, I realized in that moment that I was happier. I was all of a sudden happier and I had a lot less money coming in, but, but it was like, so man, the, the money has nothing to do with my happiness. Right. But I, I didn't, I'd never been in a position to like, have to figure that out. Yeah. And so it's just like all these things grinding, pressing, like working too much, you know, like not having good balance. And all of a sudden it's like, you don't have a job <laughs> and uh, you don't have money and there's a lot of uncertainty, but, oh man, like, I'm, I'm just as happy or happier now. It's like, so that was like a big aha for me to like pay attention to what you're focusing on and what you place a lot of value in because it's easy to get things backwards. So even know? though you were, you were taken out or, or you're essentially kind of removed from this, this business that you helped build and, and had no income after that, you, it, you found yourself happier at that point. Was yeah. a, and um, now that's 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 fascinating because those a lot a lot of times and I'm I'm inspired by what you're saying there because that idea of being uh, of being forced into change from something that we might not be necessarily unhappy with but it's not filling us up mm-hmm. but then we're we're kind of forced into something that it's like it's into into this introspection or that we that we want to look inward of like where we're where we're going so yeah, that, that's mean, powerful. Like, yeah, for me, whether it's the cancer thing, I, I call them kind of inflection points, right? We have these big, yeah. big kind of, you know, things that you never forget that have big shifts in your life, you know, the trajectory. But for me, it was the cancer thing. Then it was the making the decision to develop that software, which really sent me down this entrepreneurial path. Mm-hmm. Then it was getting forced, getting fired, <laughs> getting forced, you know, right. like, doesn't sound glamorous. But again, that was one of those things that, you know, sent me down a different path that, that I would have never done on my own. And, and I think as painful as it was in the middle of it, you know, like God had a bigger plan. Right. And God, right. God works in mysterious ways and through, through different people and things, you know, and, um, so that's my belief. I mean, everybody has can free to believe in whatever they want. But like for me, that there was, there was it was a big change that needed to happen. He knew I would have never made it on my own. Mm-hmm. It was a change that was forced. And um, so yeah, so like um, super super grateful for it. Looking back, in in the middle of it, yeah. I was like, wasn't that yeah. glamorous? But never never fun. We're in the middle of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but but you know then then you changed. I mean, ultimately over that time, as you were talking about this, even when you're working in the government jo- job, maybe even if you didn't know it, you're you're building this brand, you're building a personal brand by getting on stage, by by developing this stuff. Was so is that last segue that segue into you know starting to to work with brand builders and and build other so, people's brands? Yeah, there was about a year a year period before we started brand builders and and what's interesting is at that point I I knew technology and was good at technology but also mm-hmm. was just good at entrepreneurship, running businesses, sales and marketing, just all the things you need to do as a as a business owner. Right. Um and so I knew that like okay, I I don't want to just go back into the same industry. I really don't want to just help 
one business again. Like I really like this idea of management consulting or advising multiple businesses on growth strategy. Mm-hmm. So I went on about a year-long uh, trek with the some of the co-founding group of Brand Builders Group at the company we call the former, <laughs> the, the company <laughs> prior to we uh, starting Brand Builders. Um, where we were very much advising businesses on sales and marketing strategies, so consulting. Um, and so I did about a year of that until another godlike thing happened and, you know, a big blow up that sent us out of that company. So, again, all this stuff, it's kind of like I'm walking through a landmine almost, I feel like, at this part of my <laughs> It's like, boom, you know, just God blowing stuff up left and right. right. Um, but that's what really sent us on this trajectory of starting Brand Builders Group. Like we we knew a lot, this group that started it, we knew a lot about just building businesses. We knew a lot about sales and marketing, but we also knew that we didn't want to just be another sales or marketing, like marketing agency or sales coaching company. It's like, how do we do something different? Like what's the future? What what are How are things trending? Mm-hmm. And that's where we said, like, let's be this personal brand strategy firm, right? And it's this idea because it had been, you look at a lot of the founding group, it had been part of just like the natural DNA of how we had successfully grown our different businesses over the years. Um, and so it was kind of like, hey, let's really niche down on this idea of saying, you know, as a growth strategy for any kind of business, how are we taking one or more thought leaders inside that business and getting them out there more? How do we elevate the awareness of them as the expert they are? And the more people that know, like, and trust them, if they're properly positioned, they're going to know, like, and trust the company they're associated with. And all of that is going to help any type of business differentiate from the competition in the market right? Really kind of right. give themselves a competitive edge and ultimately, you know, build, we like to, I like to think of it as like building trust at scale. Like how, how do you kind of build trust at scale? Um, and trust is not established between a person and a business to a certain extent it is, but, mm-hmm. but real trust is established from person to person. Um, and so, so that's kind of been this angle of, you know, how do we work with, you know, great minds that are doing, you know, trying to do good work and have big positive impacts in this world. How do we get them out there so they can serve more people? Um, But at the end of the day, they're always like, there's a business behind them. Could be a big business, could be a small business. Um, But that's kind of, you know, kind of the heart behind it at the end of the day. And that's true. I mean, you guys are working with a lot of, I mean, you know, you're small fish like me, schmucks like me, but, but also like, no, but you, I mean, Lewis, Lewis Howes, you know, Amy Porterfield just released a book uh, at, that, you know, that's been, and been working with you guys. It's, it's, you have a lot of big names in there and a lot of like, and, and a lot of reach. It's, it's incredible to be meeting the people in here. And so this, the founding members, was it you, Rory, AJ, who else was in that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do this justice, but um, so it was Rory, AJ, um, L. Petrillo, uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Hartnagel, uh, myself, my wife, Jane, um, Thomas Dodson, um, like Brittany Parker. There's about eight, eight, nine of us. Uh, yeah. Again, I'm probably leaving somebody off and they're going to like, hate me uh, but anyway um you know that was that was roughly the uh the group um that that's still with us now too there, there are a couple yeah. of people that were kind of part of it that weren't that came from the prior company that over but then they haven't stuck around so um so yeah that, those are again i feel bad i'm probably gonna miss somebody but, but anyway that that's it but you know what's cool is you mentioned some big names mm-hmm. right so like lewis howes amy porterfield ed mylett you know air et hip-hop preacher right right you know um so yeah we we have we have bigger individuals bigger bigger names right right most of our clients are not big names like that but what's actually interesting even if you look at those businesses the actual back-end business they represent is not like a big business i mean you you run a massive business dude Mm -hmm. i mean so it's like 
What's and that's great. Like we have a we have small, medium sized businesses. Could be those those types of lifestyle businesses that are very much based around a speaker, author, influencer. Yeah. We have a lot of um, we have a lot of clients that are just like you know financial advisors or you know like or consulting companies or like anything you know so all kinds of businesses. What I am. What this is kind of the thing I'm most kind of like nerding out on these days is deploying our strategy within big, big businesses. Like we have one client um, called Insperity. They're mm-hmm. a multi-billion dollar, you know, publicly traded business where we're working with multiple members of their executive team. Right. We have, right. you know, I'm in talk. We're working with like a 50 million dollar you know, a year uh, culture consulting company, you know, I'm in discussions with another multi-billion dollar tech company. So it's kind of like there's this idea of elevating people. So more of whoever could be internal people or external people know about them, mm-hmm. really know them. Um, and, and that helps them want to work for them or want to take action or buy their thing or whatever. Like, I think it's got it's got more use cases than we even know. Um, yeah. and, and that gives me a lot of hope to just help good people impact more people, um, you know, and 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 I'll just say one last thing. I know we're getting close on time, but um, this this company in Sparity, one of their one of the execs we're leading, he's um, he leads a team of sixteen hundred people mm-hmm. Um and and his target audience, who's who he's trying to be better known by, um, is his team of sixteen hundred people. He's not even focused on outside, like you know, customer acquisition, strategic partnerships. It's all how do I build a, a more well-known personal brand, right? Right. You know, so I can be a better leader to my team. And that when I when I when we figured that out, I was like. Like my mind blew. I was like, I never thought about that, but it's true. So yeah. that's that's kind of cool. Those are some of the edge cases, but I think that's you know, like that's the future. Like it's it's going to go there. So yeah, well, that's that's why it's powerful, and that's why I love having you know you and like I had Kristen Hartnagel on a f- uh, uh, so many episodes ago um, to kind of talk about this because the, there's so much. There's so much in a personal brand, and and we all and and we've learned from from and I've learned from Brand Builders Group that that we all have a personal brand, every single one of us. And you know, part of my personal brand, well, I learned more about myself. I found alignment through Brand Builders um, mm-hmm. because I was you know I was a triathlon coach, and I thought I needed to be a better triathlon coach, and I learned triathlon wasn't the thing. You know that no. I found this alignment of what I what I wanted, where that passion, what I was good at, and what you know, everything else that, that where that aligned and it actually gave me more conviction, which I also found was an antidote to fear, you know, mm-hmm. that found that finding that flow over fear, that's where I found that. So, I mean, I think that what you're doing with brand builders, what you guys and helping people find alignment through brand DNA and, and teaching these crafts is, is just, is, is you're helping people to rise above fear and embrace, you know, their true authenticity. And it's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that is what it's all about at the end of the day is when you can help people really connect and see and really understand, like, what is unique about them. And 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 part of that uniqueness is the is the professional side of them. Some of that uniqueness is more personal, non-work stuff. But when you can find that sweet balance between the two where it's like, man, this is what kind of I've been designed to do. And. And this is why I want to go out and speak or advocate to serve as many people. And oh, by the way, that helps me. This isn't mm-hmm. always the case, but it's usually the case. It helps me drive growth of my business or be a better leader or a whatever. It's so funny. This guy at Insperity, like he was like, I'm not posting on social. I'm not getting out and wanting to speak at, you know, conferences and events because like I'm not inspired to do it. Like, why am I doing it? What would I say? And like yeah. when, you, when you really create the space to dig deep into like kind of like you know almost like your why or your uniqueness and, and this opportunity, it, it it inspires action, and then you can you can push forward with confidence because you actually have some meaning behind it. Versus, geez, I got to go speak at this event, or I got to somebody's making me post on social. Like I hate this, right? It's like no, right. I. I want to be out there in front of as many people as possible because that's that's 
that's why I'm here, right? Yes. You know, yeah. so like, I think you feel that, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, that's the point where you're dancing with fear, where you know it's it's something that scares you, but it scares you in the right ways. It's, you know, what I call that, uh, that oh crap moment. You know, it's that, that moment where you, where, where your excitement and fear pop up and you just want to go and do it. You want to get on as many stages as, as possible. And, yeah. um, and yeah, so what, uh, um, what are like one or if, if you could give some advice to people who are kind of struggling with their own brand persona, um, aside from, you know, ob the obvious one, which is go to brand builders and get some help there. Uh, <laughs> what, what would you, what, what quick piece of advice would you give? Yeah. I mean, I think what I would say one of the biggest mistakes is, is that people find themselves in a job um, or whatever. They they aren't happy um, mm -hmm. and they think that the only way to find fulfillment or whatever is to start this side hustle or spin up this thing. And they think personal brand means I got to start a new business or like whatever. Yeah. And I would actually challenge that. I think when when you dig deep enough, you can find the intersection between like you wouldn't be in your job if you weren't like good at something. You wouldn't be good at something if you didn't have some interest in it. Like mm -hmm. some people hate what they do, right? You probably do need to find a new career. But but I think most people like, you know, what you need to do is you need to connect on an emotional level with why you do what you do and how you can impact a ton of people through this work. And then let that inspire you to, to kind of like do what you do in a bigger way. Um, it, you know, so I, I think that's what, it, so many people come to us and they're like, hey, I, I wanna do this and they have this big vision and we're like, man, what I do for B1 is let's, let's elevate your profile, let's help you be known by more of the right people yeah. But our goal is to not start a new business. Our goal is to help you be more successful in your current business or grow the business you're running. Like, let's throw more gas on the fire of what's working. Because the last thing you want to do is you feel like you got to start a new thing and then you start doing that. And then you're like, crap, this is hard. And then you realize, well, not only is it hard to get this off the ground, but now I'm, I've got diluted focus on my other job and it's now stagnant. And now I'm feeling the pressure because that's what pays the bills. And it's like, you, you don't go anywhere fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, to me, I always like to challenge people to say like, maybe it's a different role in the company you're in, or maybe it's just more authentically connecting with the why behind the work you do and how to serve more people in this business like let's start with that because you can you can make a ton of progress and then that makes it easier to pivot out if you need to downstream yeah so so find more i guess like everything else it starts with self-awareness like learn yeah. what you want and learn what you're good at and just become more self-aware and just start applying that to everything you're doing now that's yeah. a beautiful advice my friend and um where where can people find you what uh what's what's next for jeremy weber yeah, I mean, like I'm out on all the socials, right? So right. Um, the Jeremy Weber, I, I think you you probably put it in the show notes or whatever. But what I would say, if, if anybody's like kind of digging the conversation and they're like, yeah, this is interesting, like seems like this may be something I'm interested in. We do this really cool thing. It's like a free one hour strategy call with anybody. And these are legit strategists that know what they're talking about. So there's tons of value with it. <laughs> and we just find that whether we actually do anything beyond that or not, you can actually kind of like have some cool aha moments and, and make some good progress at no cost. So I'd just say like if anybody wants to, you know, take a next step, a free step that to request one of the a free brand strategy call with our team. And you can just go to freebrandcall.com uh, slash JW, uh, JW uh, for Jeremy Weber. And uh, Adam, you may put that in the show notes or wherever you're going to yep. put it. But I'd say that's, I mean, you can obviously Google the company if, or whatever and find general information, but that's probably the most tactical next step. If anybody's like, hey, this is kind of cool. Like, let's see what this, see what this looks like. And maybe it's a way that I can find more fulfillment. I can have bigger impact. I know while I'm doing all that, I'm also driving growth of my business or moving up the career ladder or whatever, which is a nice bonus. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking from experience, you know, I had one of those free brand strategy calls and of course I became a client. I'm getting absolutely nothing, you know, from this. So just so take it for that. It's it's it was an amazing, highly valuable call just in and of itself. 
it made me want to convert. But I mean, just the conversation alone gives you so much, so much clarity. So uh, uh, please, yeah, do that. Go to free, uh, freebrandcall.com slash JW. Uh, get on that call. And, um, and yeah, take a look at your own personal brand because that is, you know, getting more clarity on that to start. Uh, it can make you a better leader where you're at now, where you want to go. And it can help you to remove that lack of clarity, which helps you to get over that fear. So yeah. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me today, man. This was awesome. And I know we could have gone so much longer, but uh, it's always, always awesome to talk to you, man. I appreciate yeah, we'll that. Do, we'll do a round two, buddy. Thank, thank <laughs> you for the opportunity, man. Always good to be with you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And to everyone out there, thanks for joining us today and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Flow Over Fear podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. I will be so grateful if you do, and I'll look forward to bringing you more value in our next episode. I'll see you then.